Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill on this beautiful summer August morning. Training camp battles are underway. There are fights happening. Pig piles on the field. College football's ramping up. None of that is true. No one knows. <laughs> We're all just sitting here kind of twiddling our thumbs. That's not going to stop myself and Rich Hill from breaking down what there is to break down in the NFL and Patriots Nation. Rich, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. You know, I, I mean, we're inching closer to when the season is actually supposed to start. We should actually be in the full swing of all the preseason games if this were a regular season. Uh, but, I mean, it seems like things are going well for the Patriots. They've had no players listed under the COVID list, so kudos to them. They've replaced all of the players who have opted out. It seems like things are chugging along right now, even though in the whole landscape of sports, I still don't know if the season's going to happen. What, what are your thoughts, Alec? No, yeah, I mean, I think we're all just kind of playing it by ear, and I feel like every single day we wake up to a new kind of sports reality where we learn new things happening or what's not. Um, the good news or the bad news we're going to look at is the opt-out deadline has passed, so every Patriots player who is going to opt-out has now done so. The roster we see on the field right now are the guys who are at least competing for a roster spot, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but you mentioned, Rich, how the sports calendar looks kind of wonky and I think one thing that have a pretty big trickle effect on the Patriots and the NFL as a whole is what's going on in the college football realm right now. Um, if I were to be a betting man, I don't think we'll see a single college football game at all this season. Uh, a lot of the divisions have already canceled their season or postponed it to the spring, uh, which isn't that big a deal on paper. But if you look at how this impacts the NFL, the draft, the combine, things that take place in the spring where the the college season will now be taking place, I'm very curious to know what your thoughts are on how the NFL and the Patriots are going to adjust to kind of a a new college reality. And if, if there isn't, in fact, no season for college this year and the NFL insists on forging ahead, if that will affect the schedule in terms of maybe playing some Saturday games going forward, how do you see the lack of a college season in the fall trickling down into the NFL? Yeah, that's a very interesting conversation. I mean, there's a lot of team-building impacts that you'll see, especially, I mean, think of the Patriots right now. Heading into this year was going to be a complete rebuild. And, you know, if you removed coronavirus from the entire environment, looking into the 2021 draft, they'd be looking for who's going to be their next quarterback for the future, who is going to help replace, you know, Devin McCourty and all of the older players on the roster. And 
that's just going to be a little bit harder. You know, when, when you think of the draft, that's going to be in April. And that either could be in the middle of this spring football season or there could be no spring football season. And will the draft continue to take place? Uh, are these conferences going to allow players to retain their eligibility? Who's going to be available for the draft? There are so many unknowns. And there's no unknown more important than the fact that who knows who the good players are going to be? I mean, yeah. if, if you think back to prior to this past college football season, so go back to the, the starry-eyed days of, you know, April 2020, uh, or I should say April 2019, who would be the number one overall pick? No one would have said Joe Burrow. No one would have said Joe Burrow a year before this past draft. And that's because you need to see how players develop on the field. And that that's just might not be the case this year. So you could be seeing a lot of teams finding some very good talent later in the draft. And, you know, that'll really separate which teams have good scouting departments from those that don't. Oh, totally. And unfortunately for the Patriots, who will be, even if Cam Newton is the guy and he's the answer, I do feel the Patriots are looking for a quarterback at some point. I know some say you're saying tank for Trevor. Trevor Lawrence is the savior in New England. You know, I never really buy in the whole tank for a untested college quarterback, even if he is a, a top prospect like Trevor Lawrence is. But the season is postponed or doesn't happen. I don't know. I mean, there's a thing called ring rust in the USC, where if you're away from the ring for a while, you kind of suck for a little bit. You get yourself back. <laughs> to, to the, the the lifestyle. I'm just wondering what a year, a potential year away from football will do to a rookie class, especially a quarterback who's expected to step in and learn a pretty complex offense that Josh McDaniels runs. And if, as you said, the season gets postponed until the spring and maybe the draft happens concurrently with the season where a player learns he got drafted at halftime of a game, which is nuts to think about, how that will impact, A, the rest of his college career, and B, the amount of time he has to recover from the season, to get healed up, to get into camp, to get into the locker room, to get meet the coaching staff, to kind of learn the playbook. That's like a back-to-back transition with virtually no break in between. And it'll leave a lot of guys scrambling, I think, to figure things out. Oh, totally. I mean, there's so many questions with regards to how these players are going to prepare. I saw someone, a college football player, tweet out, you know, this is – People are going to have like eight months to train for this next NFL combine. So people better be ready for some absurd production and stats. Uh, and, and that just means that there's going to be a lot of players that are going to have to either readjust back into football shape or we're going to have to transition in and out. Maybe there'll be more injuries. And if there is a spring football game, yeah, having that back to back season is going to cause a lot of concerns for like the player sustainability, whether they're injury likes, uh, you know, you have to protect these players as much as possible. And then, yeah, I mean, as you said at the very beginning of that, there are so many unknowns with uh, taking a college quarterback who might have a ton of time off. And when I put on my Bill Belichick hat and I say, okay, Trevor Lawrence, best quarterback prospect in the draft, no problem, no question. We've known this for the past few years that that would be the case. But there's some other good players in there. There's Justin Fields. You have Tanner Morgan out of Minnesota. Brock Purdy out of Iowa State. You have some players that are on the younger side that could really develop with another year. They showed a lot in their first or second season as a starter, but would they continue their upward trajectory with a third season? Would they plateau? Those are things that you really wouldn't be able to know. And so those are going to be the questions where it's like, okay, well, definitely it's not worth tanking if there's so many question marks. You might as well keep competing. You have your Cam Newton season if anything happens this year. And you just put yourself in a position to win here. And then there will be one of those question mark quarterbacks available anyways. 
one thing I'm really curious about, and this is no way to predict this, but let's just say the season starts and say it just goes six games, hypothetically, before they have to drop things down due to a resurgence or whatever it is. Are you – is your draft pick based on those six games? If you're like five <laughs> – are you picking last in the, in the draft without a Super Bowl? I mean, I'd be very curious to know how that works out as well. There's so many unknowns from the college level all the way through the NFL. It's very hard to predict and cover these things. All we can really do, Rich, is go with what we have and pretend the season's still happening until it's not, uh, which leads me into the news we should probably talk more about since it's not a college podcast, the Patriots podcast. Uh, the Patriots have made some roster moves. Now that the opt-out deadline has passed, everyone who's on the roster will be there. Uh, the Pats have made some moves coming in. They've signed some players. They brought some players back. Uh, I think probably the biggest name on this list is Lamar Miller, a former Texan who sat out last season with a torn ACL. Very productive back when healthy. I think a 4.8 yards per carry average. Big body. Uh, interesting signing, if you ask me, Rachel. One of the areas I thought the Patriots were pretty well set, honestly, was that running back with Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, James, uh, James White, and uh, Damian Harris. Uh, but the Lamar signing, I think if he's healthy and can stay in the field, could be a boon for him. Oh, I completely agree. I was pretty excited when they see it. You know, I feel like torn ACLs aren't the same these days as they were in the past. Uh, you have to balance that against the fact that he's 29 years old, which is pretty old for running back years. But when he was healthy from the season 2014 to 2018, that's a five-year window, he gained the seventh most yards from scrimmage in the entire league. You know, he's behind Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, and DeAndre Hopkins. Those are the three wide receivers who had more yards than him. But that means that he ranks fourth out of the running backs, behind Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, and Todd Gurley. Lamar Miller was the fourth most productive running back in the entire league over a five-year span. And that can't be understated. I mean, he is a 4-4 runner when he's healthy. He has been productive in multiple sets. He played for the Houston Texans under Bill O'Brien, so the Patriots know, okay, there is some translatable skill sets to our offense. And it really comes down to, is he healthy? Will he be able to step in immediately? And honestly, my big question for this is, what does this mean for Sony Michelle? Michelle has been placed on the physically unable to perform list, likely missed the, the first six games of the season. And so... What does that mean? Uh, Michelle has spent the first three seasons of his career now just dealing with his injuries. You know, he had it's a foot this year, it was knees in other years. He has been continually banged up. He has been very successful when he's had the opportunity to be on the field. But honestly, they don't throw him the ball. They don't utilize him well. And so is this a case in your mind where Lamar Miller could be signaling the end of what Sony Michelle could be doing for the Patriots? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's a combination of answers there. I think there are two things that factor into the signing. Uh, one, definitely injury from Michelle. I think Lamar Miller and Sonny Michelle are similar in kind of the first and second down back uh, role that they have in the Patriots scheme if they're if they're both healthy. Um, I think that if Michelle gets banged up or Lamar Miller gets banged up, they can spell each other with the carries. Uh, doesn't spell well for fantasy owners, if those of you who still play fantasy, but I think that those two will see a lot of combination um, sets and they'll, they'll platoon a lot on early downs. And secondly... If you look at the numbers, Michelle is a fantastic running back when running behind a fullback. He had James Devlin. Uh, they had they brought, they brought in Vitaly this year, who now opted out. Uh, they don't necessarily have a solid kind of bruising fullback for their big sets. They're Michelle to run behind. 
So I'm wondering if Belichick saw that in the All-22 tape, sees that Michelle is a stronger runner when he has a fullback, and if they can't really get a fullback up to speed or at the level that James Devlin was at, maybe they have Lamar Miller there as kind of an insurance policy. Because you look at Lamar Miller's highlight footage, they didn't run a lot of fullback sets. He's kind of a one-cut-and-go kind of back, so maybe it'll be the kind of thing where they use fullbacks in Michelle, and when they have non-fullback sets, they use Miller because their skill sets are different. That's my, my personal thinking. But I was worried about Damian Harris. I really thought he'd be the guy for that. Maybe Lamar Miller's the one. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions with how the Patriots are going to play them. And Evan Lazar at CLNS did a really good analysis of how Lamar Miller will fit into this Patriots offense. And a lot of it comes down to Cam Newton. You know, I think the benefit of having James Devlin is that he is basically the quarterback of the run game, and he would lead all of the paths for the running back, so they just have to follow him, and then they see where he blocks, and then they know where to get yardage. You know, Devlin was excellent at that. When you have Cam Newton on the field, the other team is going to have to respect his ability to run, and so maybe you don't necessarily need a fullback to win that numbers game because instead of a fullback getting to account for one of the linebackers, those linebackers will be distracted by Cam Newton anyways. So that tilts the field in your favor a little bit. It might be a little bit more important for the running back to be able just to get outside and just try and just speed his way for some extra yardage. And so I'll be curious to see how uh, Lamar Miller fits into this. But throwing in Damian Harris is another interesting option. I I think that uh, Rex Burkhead and Damian Harris are big winners with regards to who might benefit from Cam Newton being on the field, from the Patriots not necessarily having a true fullback on the roster other than Jakob Johnson, because those are receiving backs who can also run. And we've seen that Burkhead was the Patriots' favorite running back inside the red zone because of his ability to do both. And that just might translate for the rest of the field in between the 20s, where you don't have the fullback, you have to keep the defense on their toes. And honestly, it'll be interesting to see and in my head what the Patriots should have always been doing even with Sony Michelle is giving these running backs the opportunity to catch the ball out of the backfield which is where Cam Newton was at his best at the start of the 2018 season was throwing the ball into the flat to uh, Christian McCaffrey is to get the ball outside get the offense moving down the field and you know Miller can also catch the ball so if he's healthy he could be the guy but now the Patriots have you know, honestly, four running backs that have shown the ability to run and catch the ball. Definitely. I think this season, more than any other, is really plays into Belichick's overall philosophy in that there are a lot more good, serviceable players in the NFL than there are superstars. If you can collect a lot of good players and forego the superstar mega contract signings, you're going to be better off overall. And it's doubly true this season because there are now good running backs. I think the odds are if the season goes through, I don't think it's possible to sit here and think that nobody on the Patriots is going to get coronavirus at any point throughout the season. And so if you have a guy that has to go on the COVID list, whatever they call it, having people like Lamar Miller, like Rex Burkett, who can just step up and fill in pretty easily, I think is more important than ever. So I think what Belichick's also doing is he's sticking to the game plan. He's always stuck to being even more cognizant to maybe have a, a roster where it won't be that hard to plug players in because guys are going to get sick. It's going to be a very wonky year. So I think Lamar Miller and Sony Michelle are interchangeable in that respect as well because if one of them gets sick, the other guy can step in as well. Oh, I completely agree. And I think that really is highlighted with all the other players that the Patriots signed to replace those opt-out options. So, you know, you had your Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, Marcus Cannon, Brandon Bolden, all those players opted out. Uh, and then you see who did the Patriots sign to fill those spots. You have Will Hastings and Isaiah Zuber at wide receiver. 
Brian Lewerke at quarterback, Darius Kilgo at defensive tackle, Tyler Galthier at center, and they technically acquired, as a not even technically, they did acquire Michael Jackson from the Detroit Lions, but you see, okay, of all of the players that they signed, other than Lamar Miller, they've all been in the Patriots system for at least a little bit of time. So many of them were their undrafted free agent signings that the Patriots had back in May. Uh, and then even Michael Jackson, who they've acquired from the Detroit Lions, he knows Matt Patricia's defense. So he is someone that could definitely fit into what the Patriots tried to do in their secondary. And then Darius Kilgo spent multiple, you know, spent a lot of time with the Patriots on their practice squad in years past. So, the Patriots have definitely opted to lean on prior experience within the system as opposed to trying to teach new players new tricks at this stage in the offseason. And you know what? When you're thinking of who is going to step up, you'd probably say, all right, I'd rather have someone like a Will Hastings who has you know, spent the entire summer in the offseason than trying to start from scratch when you don't even know how long the season's going to be. First year ever playing fantasy football back in like 2004, 2005. I had no clue what I was doing, and I was in a 20-team fantasy league, uh, <laughs> which in retrospect was nuts. Uh, I had the eighth overall pick in a 20-team fantasy league, and that year was all about fielding starters, finding guys that were actually playing that week because the ra- waiver wire was barren. And I had Joe Juravicious as my number one wide receiver. And I'd win games like 27 to 10. It was a very, very low-scoring fantasy league where it was all about just finding bodies that were able to play that week. And Belichick's very good at that. And bringing guys in, as you mentioned, who know the system really well, don't have to acclimate, who can maybe come off the practice squad quickly, uh, I think it's going to be very, very important. I think the overall caliber of play we're going to see this season is going to be very diminished. And as long as guys are able to step in without being too lost out there, I think that's going to be absolutely huge. And to quote a text you sent me, which I was very happy about, the Pats now have Bill Murray and Michael Jackson. On this. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if the real Bill Murray and Michael Jackson were ever in, in, a, in a movie together. Probably not. But uh, that's going to be a lot of fun making those references. Uh, we talked about these players, though, Rich, and I feel like I don't have anything to say in terms of their – performance so far in training camp i feel like i'm totally out of the loop in terms of what's going on on the field on the practice field the drills and whatnot but reading around doing my research trying to prepare for this podcast i'm noticing that no one really knows what's going on in training camp they're basically kind of running conditioning drills and there isn't any of those early reports of who's standing out the scuffles the camp battles that's just not happening this year because there's nothing really to show yeah, I mean, that's kind of where everyone is at this point. They're doing a lot of press conferences, so you can kind of pick the mind of the new players on the team. You're getting a lot of, you know, Cam Newton, Jarrett Sidham. They're very excited to compete for the starting job. Uh, you have all of the veterans being like, you know what, we're going to make do with, after all these players opted out, it's the next man up. You know, that whole sort of mentality. And we just honestly don't know at this point what's going to happen. And that's kind of okay. I mean, that's why... Uh, there aren't many positions on the roster. We talked about this on our last podcast. There aren't many roster spots that are truly up in the air for discussion because the Patriots are either returning a lot of players or they plugged it with veterans or rookies that are definitely going to make the team. And so we might have to wait a little bit longer to truly understand who is going to be leading the competition in some of these spots, you know, the linebacker competition is basically just Juwan Bentley. That is uh, him by himself. So we will see how that goes. Uh, but most other competitions, like we know who's going to be in the secondary. We know who's going to be on the offensive line other than at right tackle. 
We know who's going to be on the defensive front. It might just be the last player at each positional group that's really up for competition. But, I mean, right now at this point, there are so many new faces with regards to the sense of uh, a lot of players are back from previous years. But there's new faces with regards to not having Tom Brady, not having all of the, the leadership from years past. So it seems to me that the general vibe is all the players are kind of taking stock of themselves. They know who is on the team, but they're trying to figure out what their roles will be with regards to, all right, who's, who are the leaders right now? Who are the people that are going to take charge? And that is what these camps are kind of for. And we talked about this on the last podcast as well. For, you know, maybe the first four games of the season, the Patriots are still going to treat those like the preseason. So that, I mean, there's still so much unknown and it's going to remain that way for a while. Yeah, and remember, this is league-wide. Like the Patriots are behind the eight ball in this respect. I think every other camp, every other people who cover these teams are having the exact same conversation who's going to play, who's not. Obviously, it favors the teams who are bringing back the bulk of their starting roster from last season because it's easier to pick up where you left off. But at the same time, that's just another year come and gone where guys are getting older, contracts are are coming up or not coming up. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. But if you're out there and you feel that this time you're usually pretty in the loop of who's standing out, you're maybe learning some names, some new names on the roster, that one kind of dark horse rookie having a good camp who shined in the first preseason game – and this season feels like you don't really know what's going on. doesn't mean you're like a less of a fan. It's just that there's just really nothing to report. So it's kind of hard to sit here and be like, oh, I can't wait for this guy to come in. And I can't wait for to see what happens to these. Because I feel like we're if we if we were to start the season tomorrow, for example, I don't think there really be that much difference between now and a month from now, to be honest with you. Totally, totally. And like this is supposed to be the time of the year where you fall in love with the DJ Fosters and Zach Sudfelds of the world. But we just don't have that sort of character development in this season, you know? And so uh, we'll definitely be finding out more as the preseason progresses, as you start seeing a little bit more of, uh, you know, how is the roster shaking out? Who is kind of, you know, leaking the stories of who's the front runners? It's really kind of been beneficial for all of the press conferences that have been taking place. They've been doing like three a day, essentially, just having three different players at the podium uh, all over Zoom. It's wonderful or WebEx, whatever. And it's been the most illuminating way to get an understanding of what's going on in these players' heads. And that is kind of all we have (laughs) at this point in time. So, Alec, I don't know about you. Uh, what do you think is going to happen between now and the start of the regular season? Are, are we going to get a better understanding of uh, who's winning the quarterback battle? Like, what, what are you thinking will happen between now and the theoretical start of the season? Yeah, man, it's a good question. I mean, teams are allowed a certain number. I think it's 12 uh, full pad practices. And my concern is there's going to be one full pad. You know, I don't know if you follow the news, but there's a school in Georgia that opened up and they're already closed down again. Um, because there wasn't any social distancing and someone got COVID and it's all. So I'm worried it's going to be like one practice on one team and that's going to be it. Um, but I think the Patriots are going to be able to basically use the sample size they have. You know, I mean, you, you play the hand you're dealt. And whenever that first full pad practice happens, I think maybe early next week is the, the report. Uh, I think we'll know more in terms of how it's going to work out. But we're really not going to know anything until I think, as you mentioned, maybe mid to early October, um, if that's even a, a case, because I do believe that more than this, any other season, 
Uh, the first three weeks of the year are going to be the preseason extended, and we're not going to have anything going on until then. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And uh, with that in mind, we'll, we'll keep everyone updated on what's happening on patspulpit.com. We'll definitely be breaking through any of the stories on our podcast as they come through at, over the coming weeks. But until, uh, you know, next time, Alec, I'm just hoping that we continue to get good news. I'm hoping that the Patriots continue to show that none of the players are getting placed on the COVID list. They're one of only a few teams to, to not have any players on that list. So they've been doing a really good job there, keeping themselves safe, keeping their family safe. Uh, but Alec, do you have any final thoughts on this week of the theoretical preseason? I guess worst case scenario, Richo, we come on here once a week and just ramble about nothing. Cause I'm very good at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, until next time that we ramble, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy.